This is the black boy, what you gonna do out here on your own? This is the black boy, don't you know remember that don't want you grow? This is the black boy, what you gonna do when you time to get old? This is the black boy, this is a story that ain't never told. This is the black boy, what you gonna do out here on your own? This is the black boy, don't you know remember that don't want you grow? This is the black boy, what you gonna do? So this is March 6th, uh, 2019, and once again, we're back here with Black Disabled Talk, and this um, discussion is going, is going to um, discuss, you know, what does the Black community and what does the Black Disabled community So today we have a new member. Latif McLeod, and we also have Keith Jones and Otis Smith. So we're going to go around and um, we're going to introduce ourselves, you know, introduce yourselves, who you are, why, why do you think this is important, and um, what do you do? So I'm going to go to... Latif first. Latif? I am Latif McLeod and a man with cerebral palsy with radical politics. I currently am a PhD student in the Anthropology and Social Change Program at California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco. I am happy to be here speaking to you gentlemen. Okay, so let's go down the line. Keith Jones, same question. Hello, my name is Keith Jones. I'm thankful to be here with you guys. I have radical politics, but like my man, Batiste, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I run Soul Touching Experiences, which is a amalgamation of all things arts, politics, and community, uh, community engagement. Um, my name's Odie Smith. I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm currently a student working towards my graphic design certificate so I could promote my radical politics. I'm not trying to bite y'all, but so I could promote my radical politics through imagery as well as my poetry. And I think this is important because it shows another side of Black intellectualism that's not oftentimes covered. Okay, and yeah, I'm Leroy Moore. I'm in the Bay Area, Berkeley, and I'm a Black disabled, uh, I think, radical professor, um, activist, and poet, author, and um, founder of Crip Hop Nation. And so glad to be doing this. This is long, long time overdue to have. Um, Black disabled men talk about you know our issues and what our community and what this political arena needs. You know, so thank you everybody for um, 
doing this. You know, it's 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 a we situation. So there's no I in this. So we're gonna we're gonna um, go on to a list of questions that um that we wrote. Um, I have a list, and Latif has a list. So we're gonna pick one from each list. Well, we're gonna go through all of them, but we're gonna mix and match um, the questions. And what, what's gonna happen is I'm gonna um, ask the questions and we're gonna go down the line and get answers, okay? Okay. So the first question is from myself. And the question is, um, can black disabled people organize when many of us are working in white disabled organizations? So I'm, 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 I'm laying it out there tonight. <laughs> so um, Latif, and we can go down the line. Okay. Yes, black people with disabilities can both form our own organizations while continuing to work in mainstream, mostly white-led mainstream disability organizations. We need to be in these mainstream disability organizations so we can direct them in addressing issues that predominantly affect our community like police violence against people of color with disabilities and people with disabilities and incarceration. We also need to organize to address issues in our own community, like addressing ableism within our interpersonal relationships. Okay, are you done, Latif? Okay, so let's go down to Keith Jones. Same question. So Ed's being one of those black people that have worked inside. <laughs> we all work inside. <laughs> it's one of those who are constantly in the belly of the beast. Um, like Latif said, it, 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 you know, we have to. Um, and just to give a real context, not go too long, but having worked at the Independent Living Center when I first started out in this political vein in terms of like being formal, um, the discussion was how do we, you know, how come we don't have black people come to the Independent Living Center? And they were like, let's start our own multicultural independent living center. And when we did it, what happened was exactly what happened. They starved it to death. They gave it just enough to get up, but not enough to run, not enough to function. And I think here now in this context of organizing and what we need to do to organize, we have organizations, we suffer from one of those things where we know what we need to do and we can do it. We, there just has never been that real one thing to, to coalesce around or even that one person to have to do who's just damned and dogged to go do what they gotta do. And I think um, the, the classic example of us always being on the outside looking in is exactly this quote, new disability rights movement that has nothing to do with anything related to the intersection of ethnicity and disability. Okay, Curtis. Are you <laughs> um, I think yes. I think because they got the resources, so you have to go where the resources at. But like Keith said, that we have to do it in a 
sudden way. I think the most dangerous things black people do when we do um, integrate into other people's organization is we leave our politics behind and we adopt theirs. And usually their politics ain't really beneficial to us. They're, they're not really addressing our issues, at least not our issues particularly or directly like the article uh, um, sent you about um, the black disabled activists and how they was pumping up Hillary Clinton because I guess Hillary Clinton was trying to trying to speak to the disabled community what uh, last election but as a black man for me to get behind Hillary Clinton knowing how detrimental she is to the black collective is counterintuitive it's counterproductive so although it benefits them it does not benefit me so I could join the organization, but I have to understand that their objective nine times out of 10 is not my objectives, you feel me? So I think we have to create a fine line of I'm here for the resources, that's it, that's all, but my political ideologies will not merge with you because your interests completely conflicts with my interests. Even if we're both disabled, still being a white disabled individual, you still get more benefits. You still get um, a benefit of being white in the system of white supremacy. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm gonna go on this, I, you know, at 51, <laughs> I think, no, we don't need to work with them. Um, because we, I, you know, from my experience, I've done that all through my teenage years, and all through my 20s, and all through my 30s. And, I, and now, 51, there, there's still not a black this disabled organization, yeah, there's, there's a national black disability coalition we've done a part of. But, you know, and besides that, and besides the Harry Tubman collective that is on the internet, that's the only thing. And we're in 2019. I think, I think we get stuck in working for these organizations because these organizations have all the resources and can pay, you know, salaries, you know. And I think I think um, it's just time to to break out of that mode because if we don't do it, it's going to be another ten years and another ten years of thinking that um, we can do piecemeal. To, to really um, fix our community. And, and also, all those disability organizations really don't, um, don't, um, don't teach or don't support black organizations. And for me, I've, I've spent 30 years educating on disabled organizations, and I turn around and like, oh my God, Leroy, you haven't spent any time dealing with black organizations. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that's why in, I think in the last 10 years, I switched my focus. I was like, you know, I need to really focus 
um, educating or at least um, putting out some kind of awareness that we're here to black organizations. And I know it's tough because it's, it's hard to get stinged by your own community, you know? But I, 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 I really think at this time, um, we definitely need more and more people to come out of these white disabled organizations and really do education in the black community. And I, I know today it, it is not, it really is not feasible because everybody's looking for a check. You know, everybody's looking for a pat on the back. And that, that's not gonna come from these newly black disabled organizations which have no money, there's have no grants. You know, we barely get any notion from Black Lives Matter. You know, they don't talk about disability. So, yeah, so I can go on and on. So, yeah, so that's first question. Um, going on to one of Latif's questions is, um, what can we do as Black people with disabilities to bridge an understanding gap with the larger African-American community around disability politics and ableism? So I'm gonna go to, so should I go to, to you, Latif, or should I give you more time? I can go. Black disabled activists need to organize political education meetings in our community where we can educate people about disability politics at churches, mosques, and community centers. Black act, I think first thing on our platform would be to end this system of ableism, capitalism, patriarchy, and white supremacy as soon as possible. Then we can figure out how to live with each other in a more equitable and sustainable way. Activists with disabilities needs to be honest with the ableism that we see in our community and offer ways to solve this problem. My bad, my responses got mixed up. Can you come back to? Yeah, we can come back to you, Latif. Yeah, all right, Keith. All right, so um, there's how do we do it? Uh, how do we bridge the gap? Well, first of all, it, it's a little more complicated than, than just disability. I mean, the people we're talking about, we grew up in the hood, right? So we grew up in blackness. We grew up in, and we have to be clear about which black we talking about, right? Because there's, there's diaspora black that, that understand what that means. And then there's the, I already discovered my African roots, so I'm rejecting every concept of blackness black. And then there's, Oh, wait a minute, I discovered a new religion, Black. Then there's no, I'm going to get along with the white folk, Black. And then there's the other Black, Black. And then, oh, no, you're not Black enough, Black. And I'm not quite Black, but I'm this kind of Black. So let's be Black. So all of that to be, and the, and the crazy part is that every social movement that involves people of color, particularly those of African descent, and you need to be specific 
Because when you talk about the black community, black people have a schism now. Because depending on what part of the country you're in, they're either I'm black, but I'm Caribbean black. So your blackness don't really, your shit really, your stuff doesn't really bother me, right? Because I got my stuff back home because I'm sending money back to my home country. Um, how do we bridge the gap? Well, first we have to acknowledge that there's a gap. And black churches don't want to do that because we worship on Sunday. We roll up in the wheelchair, can you get into the door, right? Talk about mosques, you know, everybody's like, Keith, you need to be a black Muslim to sell bean pies. I can't get into the mosque. If I'm a black Jew, can I get into the synagogue? So the places where we meet or, or that have cultural relevance to our community are first and foremost, just inaccessible. And, and I will reject any notion where we need to educate black people about stuff that they already know. Now, whether or not you acknowledge ableism in the community, because when it was like, like in our families, we, we are who we are. But out on the street, then it's, oh, you know, what a bruh. Then it gets weird. But in, you know, and it's, and it's a strange kind of dichotomy how we don't, you know, as a black man, you, you know, like you say, Black Lives Matter. As a black man with a disability who's, done, who's doing this stuff, I should not have to convince the NAACP that disability and ADA justice is a civil rights issue when it comes to people of color. I should not have to go to, you know, um, the Urban League, and then we have to reissue a whole separate report on the state of Black disabled America. Because even when they issue the reports on the state of Black America, they don't include us. And if, if, if the incidents of disability are four to five times more prevalent within the Black and the Latino community, then the reason we're having difficulty is not because we haven't said it for a long time. I, there's a phrase that I use, it's called chosen stupidity. And if you choose to be stupid about the social issues that are facing your community, ableism, sexism, employment, all these black kids getting tracked off into special education, right? So how do you not know that disability is an issue within the black community? And you claim to be a black intellectual, and you claim to be alert, and you claim, if I hear that word woke one more time, I'm swinging on somebody. <laughs> but I just said that because, you know, the way you asked the question, Latif, and the way you phrased it, is that yes, we can, but, but the one thing that disability does, and then I'll stop, is that our existence makes everybody understand their mortality. And what, and what that does is when they look at us, they go, but for the grace of God, there go I, right? So it's not so much, um, can we do it or will we do it? They, people can't get out of their own way to accept us. So I think we can do it, but it just has, we have to be a little more realistic about what the makeup of our community is. Mm, well, I guess it's my turn. I, um, I agree with Keith wholeheartedly, especially about that word woke. Like, what the hell does woke mean now? Like, you just know a whole lot of information, but obviously you don't understand it because everything they doing seems to be effective. So how are you woke? And I think the thing I have a gripe with when it comes to quote-unquote black power is that it's 
directed to us trying to justify our humanity to non-black people. You feel me? And that's why black people so easily seek alliances outside of the black community, but they seek alliances within our own community. Like we could easily look past any beast we have to link up with this group who have stabbed us in the back consistently. But when it comes to my own group of people, or I got beef with you because you don't worship the same God I worship. Or I got beef with you because you don't look like me. Like we seek the most minute things to not link up. Now, if it's a legitimate gripe I have with you because you betrayed the people and yada, 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 then I understand. But when it's something so petty, like because we have minute differences that you want to focus on, that tells me you're not really seeking unity. For me, black power is not black power. It's I'm trying to get myself in a better position. That's That's about it. You feel me? That's why we go out of our way to 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 try to show them our humanity, even like let's just take for example Wakanda Forever, right? Like something as trivial as that. I wasn't down with it. I'm like, okay, one minute y'all telling me it's a movie, next minute y'all telling me it's a movement. Which one is it? And then come to find out, the whole movement was about showing white Hollywood how lucrative black movies are. But you just told me that you don't need white validation, so I'm confused. Which one is, you shall know that your blackness is more valuable than they telling you, but you need them to know that, hey, you're a commodity that they can make a couple millions off of. You feel me? So black power, like Keith said, like woke don't mean shit, black power is about black people trying to prove their humanity to people who don't give a shit. And so they rather look outside of their community versus looking inside their community and linking up with those like-minded individuals. That's why when it comes to this and what black disabled people do, I don't want it to diverge into that. Well, now we on the fence and we got to justify our humanity to them. I don't want that shit, you feel me? Or we got, we, they having a disability awareness week and the able-bodied people in wheelchairs now, and they know I struggle now. Ain't, ain't brought nothing in, ain't changed nothing, no policy changes or some shit to make you feel good. You feel me? To someone to justify my existence. Like, I'm not about that, you feel me? So I think one, the black disabled community can do it, but we have to do it in a way where we're not trying to, to justify our existence and let them know we are black disabled intellectuals and either you go value our intellectualism or we go keep it pushing but i'm not about to justify my existence to you i'm not doing that feel me so i just don't want to i don't want to go down that path and that's why i'm really not messing with a whole lot of our movements so as long as we as long as we balance the fence i feel like it can be done feel me yeah that's about it all right, so Latifa, you ready? Should I go next? You go next, okay. and I will will go after. Can you go next, and I will go after? Okay, great. So you know, once again, the question is um. What, what what can we do as black disabled people to bridge an understanding gap with the larger, larger African American community around disability politics and ableism? I totally agree with 
everybody's been saying so far. And I, I totally agree that, you know, it, it has to happen. And I think in the little pockets, it is happening. I mean, that's what we're doing here, you know. So in little pockets, it is happening. I think, um, I think you know, really, we need to go back and really think about, you know, the Black community and what they learned about disability because, you know, disability, of course, was the same and, you know, under slavery, was killed and Jim Crow, we got lynched and we got separated. So really, the Black community never had a empowerment education around Black disabled people. You know, even the disability rights movement, you know, never gave us that because it was run by mainly white middle class disabled people. So, so the Black community is way far behind when you talk about disability. You know, and and also um, the the view of of being politically disabled is is clueless when it comes to disability. When it comes to, to the black community. The black community only sees disability as a service, getting something, or a hush hush issue. That's it. They don't see the culture, they don't see the politics, they don't see the history, they don't see the arts. They don't they see as services. You know, what What can my son and daughter get? Or it's um, a hush-hush issue. So I think it is really up to, you know, what we're doing to put it in the political and cultural arenas. You know, Otis with your artwork, you know, um, Keith with your hip-hop, you know, the teeth with your writing. You know, I think our generation is really um, reaching out to other black people and saying, come on, let's do this. Because, because I think other generations, you know, stayed in their little corners and, you know, never had the access to talk to each other. So I think, I think that that's what we're doing now. And I think the, you know, the black community just needs a, um, a club outside its head, you know. We we just need to club them constantly. You know, how can you write the new Jim Crow book and don't mention that Jim Crow, the person had a disability? You know, we need to put that, constantly put that out. And I know we, we do, we do it, you know, in our own ways, but um, yeah, I think, I, I think the, the, the black community, you know, needs to see disability as a whole total different viewpoint, culturally, politically, radically, internationally, you know, you give say pan-Africanism, any kind of Africanism, you know, I've seen Black disabled people do amazing stuff in Africa, Brazil, and we're, we're not connecting to each other. So, you know, I think it, it needs to happen. It is happening. And I think, um, 
is that we need to just hit them harder and constantly over and over and over again. And I know that's hard because it, it, it is isolating. It, it, it's hard when, when you get sting by your own people, but uh, yeah. So I'll shut up and I'll go to Latif. Latif. Black disabled activists need to organize political education meetings in our community where we can educate people about disability politics at churches, mosques, and community centers. Black activists with disabilities need to be honest with the ableism that we see in our community and offer ways to solve this problem. And going off what Keith says, being Afro-Caribbean and Black, there is a conflict with being a part of an immigrant community that is trying to assimilate and being disabled and in some ways not being able to assimilate. My bad for the delay, guys. I agree. I, I don't mean to step on your toes, but I think that's, the, that's one of the reasons we have to do this, what we're doing now. And the irony is, is that having a daughter whose mother was fully Haitian, but born in America, and then having the conversation, right, and having a disability, but having the discussion about, well, we're Haitian, you're Black American. And that's a different, that, and that's why, so when, when Black folks talk about Blackness, we really, really, really don't, it's not, there's no universal concept of their Blackness. It's more of a, uh, well, it's a melanin count, but is it a cultural thing? Is it a food thing? Is it a religious thing? Is it a social context thing? Because once we get here, if we're talking about activism and social justice, just like all the things that's going on on Twitter, but we keep forgetting that people are really not comfortable with saying they're Black. Like, they, Boricuas don't like saying that they have Black in them, right? Like, if you're Dominican and you're Black, oh my God. Of course, everybody in the mama call right now. If you're, if you're Dominican and black, oh Lord, hey, 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 hey. if you're Dominican and black and doing all that stuff, you know, if you if you if you sit on the border of Haiti and Dominican Republic, like this, you know, you just said it, Leroy, African and Brazilian and all this stuff. The moment you say black, no, I'm not black. I eat, I eat rice and peas and stewed curry. I'm Jamaican, right? Like, like coconut milk and all that. I ain't black. So I just had to say that because I, I think that's the part where, you know, if we can't have a, a universal conception of what is blackness, then it's really going to be hard for people to be like, you know, let's unify the black community. Um, I want to add to what Keith said. Like, if you look at our current political strategy now, it's to declassify ourselves as black legally and classify ourselves as white. For me, like that's our new political strategy now. As if that worked for OJ, cause OJ did it too, and Tiger Woods did it too. And the white boy came in like, you still a nigga, and we still trying to adopt a strategy that does not work. Or you could take Israel, you could take the um the philosophy Jews and how they was finding percentage of the ship in Israel, and they got it. 
But guess what? They still getting treated as black people, although they're classified as Jews, just like the white Jews are. So obviously classification is not what's going to save you. Do you have the ability to protect yourself? Yes or no? And because black people don't have the ability to protect ourselves, what we do is, well, why do you attack me? Well, you attack me because of my hairstyle? Okay, let me cut my hair off or let me tie it up. Oh, why do you attack me? You attack me because of my religion. You call it paganism. Okay, well, let me drop off African spirituality and pick up Christianity and Islam. Why do you attack me? Oh, you attack me because because um my blackness? Okay, let me disassociate from my blackness and now classify myself as white. When you go realize they attack you because they attack you, period. And even if you give up your identity, one, you're giving up power. Because to me, the definition of power is being able to to define who you are and not allow other people to transgress against that. So if your definition, I am a black, yada, 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 and that's how you define yourself. And when the white boy come in, it's like, no, you a white, you, you a nigga today. And you start calling yourself a nigga, you're, that's not power. Cause now you're, you're, you're um, using his definition of who you are and you applying it to yourself just to get along. You feel me? And then let's talk about nationalities. So we got a lot of African Americans talking about, well, everybody got the nationality besides us. All right, cool. But how did everyone else get their nationality from the Belgium conference? Because the Europeans, what they did is they took bits and pieces of Africa and they created artificial borders and they renamed the people that was in that region. So we are not the only people who have identity issues. Everyone do, if, if you're looking from a world history, almost every group of people, African people, really don't know who they are. We're in the same bandwagon. White colonialism is a global institution. But what do white people say? No, your struggle is different from the Haitian struggle. The Haitian struggle is different from the Dominicans. You feel me? The, the Togo Lee struggle is different from the Nigerians. And why do they do that? So they could keep you beefing with each other while they robbing your ass blind. I mean, Dr. Chancellor Williams talked about that in his book, The Destruction of Black Civilization, where you have European scholars or European historians who will come through and they will focus on the minute difference of African people. They will focus on the ethnicity that separates the African people and not the culture that unites the African people. And by focusing on the different ethnicities, you really think they're separate from the people. No. When you really start breaking it down, we have a lot more in common than we do with differences. But because the white boy focused on the difference, you want to focus on the difference, and you want to claim that as black empowerment. When it's not, you just going with his definition of your ass. So how the fuck is that Excuse me. How is that power? You feel me? Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I, I want to add on to that. I know we get all the questions, but this is good. I, you know, with with all that, you know, um, argument in that in, in the good conversation is is that at that table, once again, we're not at that table. You know, the black elites, the black non-disabled people are at that table. We, we, we can't even climb up to the, to the seat at that table because in all, all situations, anything that disability is, is, is not even human in different countries. So it's like, yeah, we, we can fit some theories from 
you know, black power or pan-Africanism or ODS or whatever. But when, when we look at our own situation as black disabled people, we either left out in those conversations. So what does that mean? I mean, we're fighting for that kind of conversation, but we're, <laughs> we're not even thought of in those um, conversations. So I just wanted to put that, I mean, we, we, we just go off on each other, you know, forget other questions, <laughs> you know, have a, a if it's, if it's um, accessible to Latif, you know, we can continue to, to do that. But, yeah. Yes. We, we, we can go back to the questions here if you, if you want. I'm just going to wait for the teeth. Okay. With either or either way I like the way this convention conversation is going especially in in reclaim reclaiming What black blackness mean mean to us because I know I am B black 
African whether if other others in Diaspora want to claim me or not. I am okay with either way. I like the way this conversation is going, especially in reclaiming what blackness means to us because I know I am black African, whether if others in the diaspora want to claim me or not. Right, right, exactly, and if they and that is trust. Can can you say it one more time for the people in the back? Please, man. <laughs> can you say it for the people? So, because again, the diaspora, right? Like everybody. So you got Adar. You got you know the descendant African stage. You got. All within the, I mean, if we go global, it's global. But if you contextualize here in the United States, the what can you name a significant African American or Black movement now besides Black Lives Matter? Like, is there a legitimate, significant movement pushing people of color, particularly African Americans? or black folks, and you, there is none. Mm -mm. But what has happened is everybody's turned into, I, I'm gonna pull it back before I see what happened. You can just look at it on TV. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, we got all these disabled people, we got all these diversified candidates running for the Democratic presidential. Oh, Lord Jesus, look, we got Negro women, we got white women, we got, we got women, women, we got men, women. Okay, cool. Here's the irony. Today they had to delay a vote on the floor to censure a Muslim American House of Representatives. And, and, and they cloaked it in a, a resolution to rebuke anti-Semitism. Now, here's the problem. Are you talking about, let's just play with that game. Are you talking about European descendant Jews? Or are you talking about the Jews that been the Benjamin Netanyahu and the mm -hmm. party as well as the as well as the coalition party just oh I don't know had thirty years of sterilization and then they evacuated and they expelled all the Ethiopians like which Jew are you trying to be trying to protect from anti-Semitism? So mm -hmm. if you can be if you can be an ethnic Jew and have melanin and then come to this country. No, when they look at you, they don't see your Jewishness. Mm. Wearing traditional, what, what, what they would consider traditional Jewish garb. But if you're in Africa and you're an original Jew, is that the same garb? If you are a, per, if you're a person of color here, and we're talking about solidarity and what we need to do to move forward, we can't get past getting, uh, getting the church 
You go to church. Oh, Mother Harold, thank you for bringing your baby. Oh, Lord Jesus, let, let's pray for him. Lord, heal his hands. So now you've adopted the religion that says it's okay to enslave us. And then you adopt the religion that says God doesn't make a mistake, but then you want him to heal my disability because I'm so bad. This is what we this is why we are having difficulty having any kind of unification within the black community, particularly when it comes to black and disability issues. Yeah, I wanna I wanna go in. Like I wanna ask what Keith said. Again, that goes back to black people trying to justify their humanity to other groups of people. So whatever the other group says okay, just to get along, to go along, we'll say it's okay too. So if other groups say, well, the problem is you talking to Ebonics, well, we need to stop talking to Ebonics, y'all. If the other group say the problem is your ghetto names, your hood names, well, you need to stop naming your daughter them ghetto names. If the other group said the problem is your blackness, well, y'all, we need to get rid of our blackness. And so, Again, that goes back to us trying to justify our humanity and our existence to other group of people when these groups have literally went across the entire planet, mass murdering, raping millions upon millions of our ancestors. But you go turn around and tell me, I gotta justify my existence to them? Like, you know how crazy it was, like, because this black thing, it got me thinking, like, what is power? Like, what is quote unquote black power? Is it trying to make statements to people who don't care? Trying to get them to see your point of view? Is it stating the obvious as if they don't know? Like, you gotta understand this system existed over 400 years. So at this point, either you're really bad at communicating your disposition or they just don't care. If they don't care, then you need to let go and figure out a new strategy so they obviously don't recognize your humanity. You feel me? So this reclassification program or this reclassification politics or re-identifying ourselves is not a new strategy. We have done that numerous of times where we identified ourselves to fit them. And that has never worked. Whether we're talking about the plantation, what we took on master names, guess what? We were still on the plantation. Or whether we're talking about Israel when the black Jews try to identify themselves with the white Jews. Okay, but guess what? They got a genocide going on right now. So that classification is not helping nobody. What you need to do is embrace your blackness to find who you are and fight for that. You feel me? Because they don't care. You feel me? I think we, we're beyond that point of trying to, well, maybe they just don't understand. No, they understand. They just don't care. Feel me? And um, I think that's why I'm kind of cautious about saying black people should only speak on black history because white people, far from what you might think, they have a better understanding of black history than most black people do. While we running around here trying to justify our humanity to them, they studying our revolutionaries. They're studying our history. That's how they stay one foot ahead of us, because they actually studying what we already did. They studying W.D. E. Du Bois' Why Will Not Vote. They studying France Fanon. They studying Dr. Huey P. Newton. I was at the um, museum, and a white lady brought books in of black of black books. Two of them was West, I mean, one of them was Western slavery and the other one was Dr. Huey P. Newton, The Spirit of a Panther. I'm like, this is deep. 
So while I'm studying Dr. King, I have a dream. My children to go to school with your children. You studying our real revolutionaries. And then if you look at their movies, their movies are the archetype of black radical thinking. That's why they resonate with black people. Like, have you ever seen a movie? Like, that reminds me of a black person. I can't play on it, but that reminds me of, of Dr. Um, not Dr. But Marcus Garvey. That reminds me of Nat Turner. That reminds me of Denmark Vesey. Like, y'all going through our history and y'all picking our heroes and y'all villainizing it. But in order to villainize them, you have to study them. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in the Black community. We don't study radical Black politics. They do. And so while they pretend to be ignorant and while they pretend to be naive about the situation, they have a far better understanding of the situation than we do, at least collectively. That's why if you piss a, if you piss a white person off, they gonna tell you the truth. I'm like, I knew you knew that. Like, you remember that, that video where the white guy got arrested in the airport? And he said, you treating me like you remember that? I tell you right then and there, they already know what's up. So while you over here still trying to explain your humanity to them, they already know. They just don't care. So I think we just got to find our own self-identity. You feel me? And fight for that. Till then, we're going to keep going in circles. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I also recognize that, you know, it's their country. It's the white man's country. So they, they, they can be radical in their country. We be radical and we find ourselves poor, you know, not, not included in the conversation because they, they run the country. You know, there's like a lot of, like um, I think like um, Randallson, he's a black author. He had to leave the U.S. to do his radical writings because he couldn't do it here. You know, um, Tommy J. Curry, um, another black um professor, I really like his stuff that deals with um black men. And seeing black men as you know being assaulted and sexually abused and really taking on you know the bitterness and how people see black men, he could not get a job in the in the U.S. He he accepted a job in Germany. Because his studies are so, you know, quote unquote radical, but needed because he's studying black men and that being um, tricked into this, you know, men, black male, you know, toxic, you know, kind of framework. So even with that situation, he has to leave the country. To continue his studies as as a black professor, so yeah, we can be radical, but we're we're not going to be accepted in this white um, academic activism or any kind of avenue. And I, I'm not saying that we you know sell out and do other stuff. You know, we we all here. Are doing our own stuff, and are, are you know 
doing our own radical progressive kind of you know art and activism. But we we had to be real and saying that yeah, you know, white people can be radical because it's their country. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not gonna be um you know, silence because the system, you know, helps them out. So yeah, it's it's kinda it's kinda sad to, to say, but it, it's real, you know. That that's why you had James Baldwin that lived in Paris and you had, you know, Paul Robinson that, you know, went overseas because in the US it's such um restrictive when when it comes to black people really talking about radical issues. Not not a poor foundation grant, but going radical about it. So yeah. Yes. So we're gonna do we're gonna go to to the question or but your mic cut off. Latif, are you ready to um to talk? Look what they did to Paul Robeson and the Black Panthers. America has never tolerated black radical radicalism all but we can go back to the question questions if people want tolerated black radicalism at all but we can go back to the questions if people want let's let's, let's take two more questions and we can wrap it up is that okay with everybody yep i'm good with that okay once again, thank you for doing this. And this is going to be a monthly thing. So, um, yeah, so we can keep on, you know, doing these videos. So I'm going to take another question from Latif. I really like your questions, Latif. So I'm going to go to number three with Latif. Like, how can we offer allyship to Black feminists disability structure as black men with disabilities. So Keith, you want to take that first? Sure. And I, um, you know, I find it kind of funny that you, Latif, thank you for the question. Now, I have to, I have to chuckle, you psychic, because the question that you posed is um, in the background of the other, one of the works that I'm doing is working with the Women of Color Network to bring accessibility to sexual violence and assault for women of color, right? Black women of color. So all of this policy work we're talking about, even in victim services, 
right? There's still an ableism. Even in victim services, there's racism. Even in victim services, there's a hierarchy of victimization. Like, I never thought that, like, who compared? I'm a victim. No, I'm a victim. No, I'm a victim. Like, you know, we all have victims. So I, the way you offer allyship is, first of all, we have to, we have to acknowledge that endemically we are allies. Black men don't exist without black women, right? Black mothers, black mothers raise black sons. Black fathers make black daughters, raise black daughters. I got four daughters. So I have to be a black feminist. Like I needed to be engaged in the fact that as much as everybody's rah-rah and pom-poms about Planned Parenthood and saving Planned Parenthood, if my daughter has a disability and she wants to go get services at Planned Parenthood, Planned Parenthood is not accessible for her to even get up on the examination paper. So if you're talking about sex education, if my daughter has a disability or has a developmental disability, they instantly don't think that she has enough cognitive uh, cognitive awareness to be even aware that she has that she has the right to be a sexual being. So how do we offer allyship? The way that you offer allyship is to be present, number one. Right? And and number two is to say, I am a black man. And, and here's the thing. If you offer allyship to a feminist and she goes, you don't really understand because you're a man, then you know what, fuck you. Excuse my phrase, but you don't need me to be an ally because you're not looking for an ally. What you're looking for is a pansy because you would acknowledge that a father with daughters needs to be a feminist ally if he loves his children you would know that as a black man who is, who doesn't exist without a black woman needs to be a feminist ally. But at the same time, one of the rubs that we have is that black women or black feminist allies, or if they want us, are they beholden to that trope about black men? You know what that trope is. There are no good black men. Black men, you know, and when they do get successful, they don't want black women, they want, so, the moment you offer allyship, you have to make sure that it's true in nature to the person, that the person you're offering you to is authentic. Because you would think that Leroy, you being in the Bay Area, Latif, you being in the Bay Area, being at the home of the genesis of Black Lives Matter and seven in 10 people, seven in 10 victims of gun violence or police brutality or people with disabilities and eight out of 10 of those are people of color. So the natural, well, ally would be Black Lives Matter, right? Ah, no. And again, is it is your allyship being offered to somebody who's authentic? And it's you really don't know it. You can offer it, but you won't know if that person is authentic until it's time to engage in the issue where your allyship is needed. Because it shouldn't be Black men arguing with Black women about whether or not we good men or not. That's, that's, that argument is, that, that's a null and void argument. That means you've been brainwashed or you done got caught up in very non-traditional stereotypes of what black men should be, right? But in terms of allyship, we have, we have, we have beautiful allies, but the question is, you know, you pose the question too, how can I help you best? Me as a black man, who is, who is the son of a black woman and the father of a black woman, how can I be the best ally to you in your feminist, your feminist ways? 
I, and that's probably the best way to answer it. And the last thing would be to realize that feminism in America is not for women of color. Because <laughs> women of color are still on the margins when you talk about feminism in America. That is a middle class white woman's issue. If you don't believe, go back and check the news. All the women's marches, hooray. All right, well then how come all the black women and Latino women are still making less than the white women in this equity march? Right, if, if you're worried about Planned Parenthood, how come there's still a racial disparity in services? So again, allyship is there. We offer it to you know people from an authentic place and then we'll know whether or not they're authentic in receiving our allyship by how they interact with us. I guess it's my turn. Um, well, going back to what Keith said and what I said about Black people, everything we do is about justifying our humanity to somebody else. I feel like if I have to fight to justify my humanity to anybody, it should be to Black women. You feel me? If, if anybody on this planet preserves me fighting to show you that I understand your pain, I understand your struggle, it should be black women, not these other groups, you feel me? And um, the, one of the biggest problems we got is when it comes to other group of people, we over simplify the problem in order to justify our quote-unquote alliance. When it comes to each other, we over complicate the problem in order to say, well, the, 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 the worst place for a black man to be is in a black woman's womb, you feel me? Because because the number one killer of black baby is abortions. Okay, cool. But if you analyze the, the problem deeper, the reason why they, they gave you that narrative is to demonize black women. You feel me? So you no longer focusing on the social issues. You no longer focusing on the economical issues. You no longer focusing on the outside factors that would involve a, a woman deciding to have an abortion. Instead, you're focusing on her. You feel me? And the conservatives played that card when Trump was first running. You had white boys out here talking about the most dangerous place for a black child to be in a black woman's womb. Right before that, to me, a vice got shot. But yet, you still have black men jumping on that bandwagon. So now we no longer focus on the white supremacy. Now the black woman's the number one target. To me, you don't see how they play you. And then you got the other group on the other side who do push abortion and who do push the fact we need to um, lower our birth weight because we're adding to the economical woes of society. Those who, who can't take care of a baby shouldn't be having it. So they're catching, they're, they're catching us on both sides. Well, because we're picking sides, not realizing we're getting screwed by both the conservatives and we're getting screwed by the liberals. It's like, you know what? I think the problem is a whole lot more deeper than what it appears to be. But again, when it comes to each other, we oversimplify the problem and say, oh, look, the problem is you, black woman. Or, oh, look, the problem is you, black man. No, like, I've been brainwashed. It's like, you've been brainwashed. So I have adopted this white man's definition of masculinity, and I'm perpetuating on you. You feel me? But again, we're more patient with other people than we are with each other. And that's one of that's one of the biggest issues I think. And because just like Malaya Obama, or uh, President Obama's daughter, right? 
Did y'all see that meme where people was going in that this woman, this black woman, was dating a white boy? Like, that's your argument? So y'all not focused on the fact that her daddy dismantled seven different African countries. Y'all not focusing on that. Y'all not focused on Guantanamo Bay is still in operation when he said he was a closer. Y'all not focusing on that. Y'all not focused on the fact he signed a contract to give Israel $38 billion over a span of 10 years. No, y'all focusing on the fact his daughter got a white man. And this memory that does absolutely nothing only go create an artificial beef between black women and black men. For me, I am not gonna fight my sister over this dumbass memory when Obama's don't give a damn about me anyways. I can give a damn who she date. Like for me, her father's white, he just looked black. You feel me? Like so I think we gotta be cautious and we gotta be patient about the battles we jump in, especially when it comes to black men and black women, because we listen to each other not to understand each other, but we listen to respond. You feel me? So when you speak, I'm not listening to your pain I coming from your voice. I'm listening to what's the best way I could get back at you for what you said. And when you listen to me, you're not listening to the pain and sincerity that's coming from my voice. You're listening to, well, what's the best way I could get back at him? You feel me? And I think the insincerity because this insincerity energy, that's come from white people. Like this artificial energy we have, this come from white people. Like we, we are some sincere people. We're genuine people. And I feel like this insincerity we have in communicating with each other is one of the most detrimental things to hit the black woman and the black man. I feel like we gotta go back to sincerely caring about each other. You feel me? I may not like what you're saying, but what you're saying is real. Yeah, I'm going to respect it. You feel me? You may not like what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is real, then just fall back and respect me. Let's see. We may not fix everything about each other, but let's see what we can fix. You feel me? So I think we got to go back to being sincere with one another, especially with the black man and the black woman. Oh, that's it. Am I on mute? Okay. I'm gonna go next. Is that okay, Latif? Okay. I I think I think um we can be allies, but I think we have to be realistic about black men. You know, black men have been shut out for the discussion. I bring it up again, Tommy J. Curry. You know, nobody wants to have black male studies, but but we want to be allies to our black women. It's like, how can we be allies if we can't even be real in the black community that black men need to study themselves, need to talk about issues of, of rape against black men, you know, need to talk about issues of, of black disabled men, you know, being on the, on the last totem pole, you know, I mean, need to really talk about what, what, what does this, so-called um, 
hyper hyper masculinity. You know what does what does how, what does it turn come from? You know, and I, I think if we can't have those conversations, we can't even have a black male studies. And you know, we like I go back to Tommy J. Curry. You know, he has to go out of the country just to get a job just to write about black male studies. So that tells me right there, you know, how can I be an ally? And you're not, you're not welcoming all the way in. You, you're not willing to study my life situation as a black male in this country. Yeah, I would love to be an ally to you. I want to be an ally to you, but I also want to recognize that a lot of um, a lot of education that that we get from these institutions, and we and those, those shape how we look at black males, and, and, and most of those views are totally wrong, you know. So. So I was like, yeah, we, we need to be allies, but but at the same time, um, you know, communities, institutions in this country need to be open to say that black males need to not only study themselves, but to to reframe their view on what society views them. Because if we don't have the power to do that, then we we really can't be allies, you know? Because then it's gonna be a constant wall. You know, it's gonna be like, okay, should I hide my masculinity just to be a support to feminists? No. I should carry my masculinity and carry, you know, black women's issues at the same time. So that's, that. I think for me, that's the issue. I don't think this country is ready for it. You know, and Tony J. Curry is, is a is an example of it. Like I said, he had to go to Germany to do black male studies. It's like, what? In the year 2019, you know, to get to get um abused by quote unquote black feminists, Bell Hooks and everybody, because he wants to talk about black males as, you know, being abused and, you know, so yeah, we we have a lot of a way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Latif, it's all about you. We need to listen to our black women with disabilities and the issues that they face and offer solidarity to combat some of these issues. Black women with disabilities have to be in the leading role in addressing these issues with us in a supporting role. And we as men, of course, need to be black feminists because of the state of attack confronting black women with the state of white supremacy and patriarchy in society, as Keith so eloquently stated. 
That's what's up. Cause I never really, I never really understood how, how like what is the definition of masculinity, right? Like what is a man? Mm. Like what is that, right? What is the, what is the defining role of a male? Now, if you take a Eurocentric patriarchal view, you're right, or are you taking a traditional West African village view? Are you taking a traditional Central African view? Like what, what, what is masculine? And all, you know, and everybody's like, I ain't gonna be, I don't wanna be no bitch. I ain't know this, I ain't know that, I ain't know this. It does, like, what is that? Because a real human is in connection with their feelings. A real human has no fear. Mm. A, a, a man, I don't need to cry to show you that I'm feeling it, but if I, but if a tear rolled down my cheek, I'm no bigger bitch than I was before the tear rolled down my cheek. Now, and I'll use that phrase because that's the terminology people will be using once they see as a male, you are expressing your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And so in, in the black community, we have to get over this. There's this, our homophobia, our transphobia, our ableism, you can't talk about being pro-black and for the cause and have any other isms on your plate. You just can't mm -hmm. do it. And if you do, then shut the hell up and don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to add um, to what Keith said, that we really got to define masculinity. Especially like when you think alpha male and beta male. Those are literally Greek alphabets. So the way you define masculinity is based off the Greek interpretation of masculinity. And if you know anything about Greek culture, that's not the type of masculinity you want to duplicate. You know what I mean? And we ask this question, when do black boys or black children lose their humanity? When do they get demonized? And we don't realize the connection is by demonizing a black mother, anything she produced by default automatically lose its humanity. For me, let's take the opioid crisis, for example, that's hitting the white community hard. Notice they never call them white women crackheads, do they? But they call all women crackheads, feel me? Black women are not the number one welfare recipients, white women are, but they never call their women welfare queens, do they? They call our women that, you feel me? They don't call their women bad wenches. They don't call their women thoughts. They don't call their women hoes, although they're the most promiscuous women. They label our women that. Why? Because by demonizing the black woman, anything she produced, therefore, is demonized by default. You feel me? So you're not, you don't lose your humanity, black man, when you hit puberty. You lose your humanity even before you come out your mother's womb because she lost her humanity. You feel me? And because we don't see that interconnectedness, well, masculinity and femininity, they are not fighting. That's the white man's definition and stuff. They work as one. You feel me? Darkness and light, they work as one. They are not enemies, but because we are trying to imitate the white man, we think they're suddenly beefing. And I, again, I think the only way we can save ourselves is not by losing our blackness, but regaining our African mind. To understand your left brain and your right brain, they are not enemies with each other. Your logic and your emotions are not enemies with each other, you feel me? 
like they you need all of them in order to be a functional human being you feel me and that's what we're trying to be there's a lot of questions that European society is still trying to answer like the place of a woman. Do a woman belong on the battlefield? Well, if you study African history, we already answered that question. Can a woman rule a civilization? Well, if you study African history, we already answered that question. Why are we, answer, why are we asking the same question? Oh, that's why right. we got to make white people problems our problems. You feel me? We already solved a lot of this confusion, but because we're trying to imitate white folks, we're thinking like white folks. So we regurgitate the same thing they do. But again, we got to regain our African mind. And African mind says, without the black woman, I'm nothing. You feel me? There's a reason why we named the woman our throne, our set. You feel me? Because we knew where the power was. When we left her, that's when we left our power. So. All right, so we're going to go to Latif, and we're going to make one more round before we end it. So um, Latif, take it away, and I'll introduce the one more round before we end it, okay? Aye. Thought. I answered on black femininity okay okay so again, um, I can play it again if You want. Yeah, yeah, play one more time for us. Yeah. We need to listen to our black women with disabilities and the issues that they face and offer solidarity to combat some of these issues. Black women with disabilities have to be in the leading role in addressing these issues with us in a supporting role. And we as men, of course, need to be black feminists because of the state of attack confronting black women with the state of white supremacy and patriarchy in society, as Keith so eloquently stated. And I think we need to learn more about our gender identity as both black women and men with disabilities, because in this dominant culture, we don't get enough guys to learn how to be in the world because we are treated as afterthoughts. So we are winging it when forming our identity in some instances. Yep. Yep, agree. So we're gonna end it with one more question and we're gonna uh, try to make your answers, um, you know, sort of, if we can, um, yeah. So um, the last, well, um, 
Yeah, the last question is, is not is not on the list, but I just wanted to to know, you know, what are we doing as individuals, as artists, as activists, to um to 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 build up um this black disability community, you know. So yeah, I think go to Keith. Is that good? Yeah. So what I guess what I'm doing is being well I what I'm doing for the community first and foremost is telling my daughters every day that they are black women, strong black women, and your identity is not defined by anybody other than yourself. I have to say that to not only to my daughters but to my son, whose mother happens to be white. I e I have my own Barack Obama. So um but what we're doing, other than that, is really being present in the issues, engaging in the issues, and asking and, and seeking out and seeking out those who are, not, and not even the ones who are at the forefront, but the people who are actually dealing with the issues. We don't need to go to national platforms. We have black people around the corner from us. How many black women we know with disabilities? Like we know them, so we have. We have the entree into that. So I think what we're doing is elevating their issues. Um, I'm trying to be here for sex workers, feminists, trans, however, however you define yourself in that space. You know, social justice doesn't really, like for me, doesn't have a melanin count. If you can't value a human, period, then I need. to be in that fight so that they can have their humanity value. And that's um what I'm doing, I'm I'm doing what what Dr. John Henry Clark said, take that what you're good and, and use that to build your people. So I'm taking what I'm good at. I'm taking my illustration, my graphic design ability, and I'm telling our story from a black perspective. Now I know white studio that's using black actors with black in the title. No, I'm telling an actual black story from a black perspective, particularly a black disabled perspective. Feel me to let you know that we have more in common than we do in differences, maybe on the surface level. We have a lot difference, but on a deeper level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, we have a lot more in common. Feel me? I feel like if we find that commonality between us, we'll be able to build together. Because we seem to be able to find a commonality between us and every other group, which always seem to backfire on us. So I feel like if we could take that same level of effort and actually apply it to each other, we'll be able to get somewhere. So as of right now, I'm. I'm using my illustration, my comic books, my poetry, until something, and this showing another side of black intellectualism, you feel me? And 
until the creator drops something else in my lap, I'm gonna use what I have. Yeah, thank you. You um, Leroy here. For me, I, you know, you know my work. You know, I, this is this is a lifelong. Um, yeah, I guess it worked. You know, it's, it's not a nine to five. It's, it's, it's a lifelong um, struggle, a lifelong creation. You know, from from working in the nonprofits to starting my own nonprofits for people of color, from poetry, from hip hop to you know, it's international. Um, this little African tour that we're doing in July to, you know, my writings, to my books, you know, trying to, um, trying to add to what, what's been there, you know, and really recognizing our, our ancestors, you know, from here, Tubman that had disability to, Al Hitler, you know, the jazz again. So it's, you know, we're, I, I know for myself, I've always wanted to and always do um, research my history as a black disabled man and knowing that, you know, this is not new. It's just something that needs to be added on and something that I hope, um, you know, future generations, you know, from, you know, black kid in the Bronx, black disabled kid in the Bronx can now go to YouTube and say, oh, okay, you know, there's Crip Hop, there's Otis Paintings, there's Latif Book, you know, you know, that's, 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 that's new because <laughs> back in the 80s and 70s, you know, we, we didn't have into that, you know, so I, I know for myself, I always felt that I was the only black disabled man out there. So, you know, for me, just continuing doing the work, you know, and continue building. And I, I love these talks, you know, I think it's way overdue for black people, black men with disabilities, you know, to really come together and talk and have really conversations because everywhere else we're not there. From politics to art to, you know, mainstream, whatever, we're not there. So I want to thank you all for, you know, continuing to be here and continuing to, um, you know, add, add, add your voice to what's going on today. So Latif and as Latif we can say bye bye. <laughs> I think that Crip Hop Nation is a good platform to start a black disabled movement with the connection of black artists with disabilities from all over the world. That is building a base where an international black disabled movement can develop. And since Invalid is doing groundbreaking work, and I am doing work with the Persons with Disabilities Ministry in my church and in my writing. So let us continue to build. Thank you so much. We're going to do this next month. <laughs> I quit. <laughs>
No, you can't quit. We're going to shut this off. We can continue talking if we want. I'm going to shut the recorder off, okay?